Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis and this is episode 9 of season 6. Now it's a really, really interesting episode this week as we delve into zero carbon. No, please bear with me. I know how you feel when we talk about sustainability, but this is important because it will directly affect the success of your business in the short, medium and long term. In fact, I would go as far as to say this is the single most important business issue of the next decade. The UK has a legally binding commitment to be carbon net zero by 2050. And while that may seem like years away, it will take a huge effort between now and then to achieve it. And why is this important to you? It's because residential homes contribute around 40% of the country's carbon emissions. And so the government is coming for the two rooms in the house that use by far the most energy. And you all know who that is. It's the kitchen and the bathroom. Using a combination of legal force and substantial incentives, it will make consumers want and need to make their homes considerably more efficient, and it's you they will turn to when it comes to those two rooms. So coming up, we have KBB Review Deputy Editor Vicky Evans talking to technologist and zero-carbon expert Steve Nesbitt from the Manufacturing Technology Centre, as well as Bill Miller, the MD of the Kitchen and Bathroom Buying Group. It is fascinating stuff. So fascinating, in fact, that I will confess to you that some of the audio quality isn't great in this conversation. But I wanted to put it out anyway because what they're discussing is so interesting, so please bear with it. But before I hand over to Vicky... This is the penultimate episode of Season 6, which for those of you who don't speak French, means it's the last one next week. This will be very special at the best of times, but next week is a proper Christmas cracker as we will be revealing the shortlist for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023. That's right, KBB Review editor Rebecca Nottingham and I will be announcing the finalists and this will be the first place you'll find out who's on the list. So, episode 10 of season 6 will be out next Tuesday, that's December the 20th at 10am with that full reveal. The list itself won't go online until Thursday, December the 22nd, so if you want to know, you know where to go. And when I say it's the first place, the judging will literally finish the day before, so those scores will be hot off the press. We don't use a press, that's not literal. Right, with that out of the way, let's go over to Vicky to talk all things zero carbon. I'll see you on the other side. Thank you both for being on the podcast. Let's start off with introductions. Bill, maybe you go first. Of course. So my name is Bill Miller, Managing Director for Decrice UK, that is a buying group dedicated to supporting independent kitchen and bathroom retailers across Europe, but my role specifically for the UK. And Steve, um, would you like to introduce yourself? Steve Nesbitt. I'm the Chief Technologist for Construction and Infrastructure at uh, MTC, the Manufacturing Technology Centre. MTC is part of the high-value manufacturing catalogue, developing manufacturing processes, methods, taking research um, to develop technologies to help UK innovations. It's a brilliant thing that you do, Steve. I and Bill and everybody at the KBBG visited the Technology Centre itself at the the KBBG AGM. Your presentation was completely fascinating. It was about net zero and about the construction industry and also everything that you do in your world. Your business encompasses a lot of different industries. And let's kind of start off with net zero 2050. Could you give an overview of what that means and why retailers should pay attention? Uh, Sure thing. So the UK government has passed an act through Parliament. So net zero 2050 is an obligation that's now enshrined in UK law. And that means that we all share an individual, a personal, a commercial objective to contribute to achieving net zero in terms of 
emissions, i.e. we have a completely balanced emissions profile as a nation by 2050. And it's really important to understand the nature of emissions that contribute towards this. And typically they get categorised in three tranches of scope work, two and three emissions. And it's really important for the member organisations within KBB and broader industry itself to recognise the part that they need to play to help underpin and deliver the objective. And as I say, it's enshrined in law, so it's, it's not something that we can opt into or out of. We all have a responsibility and duty to contribute towards achieving it. I love that idea of the shared responsibility because it really is everyone's future and it's it's quite fascinating as well because MTC obviously has a foot in every pot. It's completely impressive about the amount of industries that you work with. Where does the construction industry and the KBB industry compare to others in achieving net zero? Where are we on the scale? So unfortunately the built environment is the worst offender in totality. So if we consider things like emissions directly from energy consumed in and the heating of domestic residences, as one example, it contributes around about 20 odd percent of the UK's total emissions in their own right. And when we add in non-domestic buildings and infrastructure assets and the operational carbon or operational emissions from those that are much closer to around about 45% of the UK's total emissions. And since Net Zero 2050 was enacted in law, a lot of effort has gone into reducing the emissions from other significant contributors such as power and energy generation, and they've seen dramatic reduction in their overall emissions profile. The built environment hasn't yet. It's still notionally the same as it was 20 odd years ago. It's fascinating the fact that it hasn't really changed that much. It's a bit shocking to hear those statistics. Bill, obviously, you know the retailers. And at the conference, I think that Steve's presentation actually hit home with quite a few people. Do you think they're concerned or prepared for net zero? What do you think retailers are thinking? Oh, there's a question, Mickey. What are retailers thinking? I think it was evidenced by the amount of interest and feedback subsequently of Steve's excellent presentation at our members meeting earlier this year. I think the move to net zero and sustainability is a subject that, of course, we all have a stake in to varying degrees. And I think there's a high degree of interest. But I think the truth of the matter is for many SME businesses, particularly in the KBB field, I don't think they necessarily or didn't perhaps before Steve's presentation, didn't see a natural link between their business activities and the move towards net zero. I don't think they'd made that connection at all. I think they saw themselves as purveyors of luxury kitchens and bathrooms to consumers and really perhaps would be broadly untouched by any legal changes, any any real changes that may come out of the move to net zero. And, and I think Steve did an excellent job of disabusing them really of that thought and, and, and that fact that it is going to touch uh, all, all sectors of, of industry. And I think sometimes this, this whole subject can be viewed in perhaps a slightly scary negative way. But again, I think if you remember Steve's presentation, there was an awful, awful lot of opportunity that came out of it in terms of the renovation upgrading of the current housing stock because I do think one of the misnomers that many of the retailers 
have, which I think is shared by, I would imagine, a high percentage of the population, that really the move to net zero affects other businesses. It doesn't affect them. And those businesses will perhaps be more in the world of new builds and would have little effect on the 24 million homes in the UK. But of course, for us to achieve the legal requirement of net zero, there is going to have to be some quite radical changes in terms of people's day-to-day lives, things that they take as very much standard today is going to change. So so I, th- I think there is a growing awareness, uh, a slow dawning of awareness uh, amongst particularly the KBB channel that the move to net zero is going to impact on their business. I, do I think there's a clarity in exactly what those changes will be? No, I don't think there is that clarity yet. But I think there is a growing understanding that it could have some impact in terms of, again, what they what retailers may take as standards, operational procedures today, such as taking an old bathroom or an old kitchen to the tip and getting rid of it without really giving it any thought and so on and so forth. Those kind of very basic changes that, that, that is certainly going to be seen over the next few years, it is going to have quite a radical effect on business. So I think at the moment, yes, mixed messages, I would say, some retailers are very mindful of it other retailers less so but i think there is a slow dawning awareness that it is going to touch their business in the future in some shape and some form but as i say not very clear exactly how much and when and to what impact it's actually going to have yeah, it's interesting about the opportunities. The retailers who have got on board with sustainability and net zero and you know, trying to do better towards the planet have seen the opportunities and have realised that it's good for business in general. I wondered, Steve, what do you think are the big opportunities in the built environment and in the construction industry for retailers to hold on to? It's one of these, they get referred to as wicked problems quite a beast, as it were, to tackle Net Zero 2050. But it's one of those things that if we do nothing, we're guaranteed to fail. Everything we do do will help and will contribute. And if we want to turn this from a vicious circle into a virtuous circle, if we consider a fundamental objective we set, and that's to remove natural gas from domestic heating as a fuel source and therefore also as a cooking source by 2030 to remove it completely from the network, then there's a, a positive opportunity in the fact that we're going to have to replace all of the gas cookers, the gas boilers. And every domestic residency is going to have to improve its energy efficiency. And when we consider where energy is consumed, aside from space heating in the living rooms and bedrooms and the like, the vast majority of it is in the kitchen and bathroom. So there's a huge amount of energy consumed in heating water for the bathrooms, the heating water and for cooking and other such pieces of equipment in the, in the kitchen environment, such as extractor vats and, and so forth. So there is a real imperative to come up with more energy efficient pieces of equipment, apparatus used in both of those room environments in, in the domestic setting and also in a commercial setting. So the, the likelihood is that be an increasing level of technology involved in the products that the retailers will be providing into the marketplace. So I see there being a massive potential for a virtual circle where the, the value stream, the potential value stream for the retailers would increase because the per unit value, if you like, of a, a, a renovation project for kitchens or bathrooms will go up. So the average price per project is slightly to increase as a result of an energy-efficient technology group being applied. So I think there's every latitude for the retailers to, to look at this as a, a, a good, positive opportunity. 
but they have to be cognizant about where these products and equipment are sourced because anything that's imported from the likes of Germany or Italy and the like, um, there is a carbon footprint associated with the transportation of those. So when you start adding on all of the sources of emissions from the actual manufacture of, of these products, the, the raw materials that are, are refined and, and produced for them, their creation, their assembly, the shipping of those through to a retailer, the operation of the retailer's outlet itself, and all the energy, the lighting, etc., are all part of the emissions associated with the, the production and delivery of these goods into the marketplace. And somebody will be held to account for those. And one of the examples of a, a parallel industry sector that I mentioned in the presentation was around automotive, where uh, legislation is already in place that the vehicle manufacturer has a duty of care or responsibility for the appropriate disposal and or recovery of vehicles once they get to their end of life and, and specific legislation around batteries from electric vehicles which are seen uh, to have a high potential for environmental damage as it were if it was not disposed of appropriately. So there's a huge investment going into looking at how those batteries can be repurposed, reprocessed or remanufactured to go into secondary or tertiary applications. And I think when it comes to things like kitchens and bathrooms, then there is latitude for looking at the remanufacturing of products that have been replaced in houses to do something comparable to that, where we could have a, uh, a method of upcycling, let's say, um, old kitchen and bathroom for reuse in projects. I feel like there's kind of bubbling under the surface, recycling for appliances and making that more of a thing, not just for the big companies, but for the smaller retailer as well. Again, it's that sense of shared responsibility of everyone doing their bit and basically not making the fridge end up in the skip and it actually being recycled in the proper manner. In terms of the manufacturers and the suppliers of the KBB industry, Bill, this would be a great one for you. What are the suppliers doing to help retailers for net zero because it is a shared responsibility so how is everyone working together i I suspect if i'm honest with you very little at the moment i think there's a bit of chatter about it i I think the you know there's a lot of conjecture over what may or may not happen and, and where the responsibility may or may not lie but until there's probably some legislation around this subject Steve mentioned the automotive industry and the fact that you know there has been legislation about the, the disposal of the car batteries. I think until there is probably some similar legislation from the government in terms of disposing of old KBB products, then I think it, it's, it, it's going to remain a lot of discussion, but probably not a great deal of activity. I suspect from a retailer perspective, and after all, we represent the retailers, I think the retailers perception is it's the manufacturer's responsibility to do all this stuff, not not for them. From a manufacturer's perspective, having discussed it with some of them, their view is either that they're not really aware of any of the likely changes and what, and what their involvement may or may not be, or maybe they also believe it might be the retailer's responsibility to deal with the problem. So again, there's a lot of mixed messages here. I think we're, at, you know, somewhat sadly, we're at, we're at a very early stage in terms of any activity and action actually uh, happening in the industry. But again, as Steve 
outlined at the very beginning, you know, the clock is ticking. We're already, you know, well into the timetable in terms of us trying to achieve what is, after all, a legally binding requirement of net zero at 2050. And, you know, and I think sometimes there is a, a bit of a thought that well, we don't really need to worry about it until December the 31st on 2049. And then and then we'll worry about it then. Well, of course, to make such a, a major shift in everyone's way of life, really, there probably should have been some activities and some changes already made within the industry that, that plainly hasn't been made. So there's a bit of catching up to do already. But I, I'm not sure really that, as I say, there, there is chatter about this, but there's not much real quality debate going on and there's not much firm decision-making going on, either among the retailers or perhaps even more importantly, among the manufacturers who, after all, kind of lead the way because they're making these products, they're bringing the products to market. And ultimately, the majority of the responsibility and the financial impact is probably going to rest with the manufacturer, probably a bit more than it will be the retailer. It'll be the retailer that will be expected to enforce and action whatever changes there is, but it's the manufacturer that's going to be leading the charge in terms of their products they bring to market, the sustainability aspect, the education, if you will, of their retailers into how the retailer needs to interact with things. So there's a lot of work still to do, and and, and it's somewhat disappointing and worrying that, as I say, there's a lot of chatter, but not much firm decision-making. Yeah, I think also with this conversation, we've slightly not ignored them, but we've kind of not spoken about the consumer in all of this. And I feel like a lot of times sustainable choices come from incentives and incentivizing people to do that. And obviously there is incentives to have more energy efficient appliances, for example, because you know they last longer, it takes less energy, so it would be less energy bills overall. But there's not the same in terms of you have grants now to make your home more efficient with like insulation or better mortgage rates. And, you know, there's legislative initiatives and incentives to actually make consumers want these purchases. How likely is those kind of incentives going to appear in the kitchen and even the bathroom industry, where it's to do with water efficiency, not just energy efficiency? That is a really big question. A really important question. Just as a brief aside, on average, it's estimated that the cost to renovate a home to make it more energy efficient uh, to an appropriate level would be combined with NETSA at 2050 would cost around £40,000. And, and that includes every aspect fabric in the building itself, from insulation, heat loss, performance perspective, decarbonising the heating system, which more environmentally friendly or renewable energy heating system. And then all the other sources of energy consumption and emissions within the building itself, so heating of water, etc. And even to the extent of recovering energy from waste outlets, so um, this potential for integrating systems to recover heat uh, energy to electrical energy from water outlets, from dishwashers, washing machines and the like, and even from bathrooms. So that's quite a hefty bill for any individual, whether it's privately owned or social housing, that's quite a significant sum of money. But if consumer habits are are shifting towards more environmentally friendly technologies as a a buying habit, so see the shift with electric vehicles and so forth, consumers are becoming much more careful about their choices from a technology perspective with an environmental consciousness in mind. But would they be willing to spend the majority of their life savings as it were to do that? That's a big question. 
and we will get people who are advocates, evangelists in this arena who will want to do it because it's the right thing to do. And we will get others that will need to be encouraged by some form of legislative environment or, or other sort of physical mechanism to almost enforce the adoption of these green technologies and improve energy efficiency at home. So I think the opportunity now is for the likes of Virgin Bathrooms retailers group to be on the front foot to start understanding how they can create standard or some form of undertaking to which the line share will buy into and deal with it on a proactive footing. If it's left until government moves the industry, then it may be too late. Any form of enforcement with latitude for fines or penalties for emissions profiles of organisations and so forth, it would be too late for the retailers to be able to respond in time. So I think taking a proactive approach is probably the best thing to do in the absence of any other mandate or policy being set for them is, is to take that responsibility yeah, a more proactive approach tends to be the best way in business anyway. So it's just moving what a retailer would do normally at any aspect of their business to just move that towards their sustainability efforts as well. Bill, um, do you have any thoughts? I think you, you made a very valid point that at the end of the day, again, if you look at it purely from the retailer's perspective, they, they exist to make money by selling products to consumers. And so therefore, you're exactly right in what you say, that, that really a lot of the sustainability drive really has is, is also got to come from the consumer because that will focus the retailer's mind like never before when a consumer stands in front of them and says, what are you doing, Mr. Retailer, in terms of your sustainability policy? You know, what are you doing? What, what, what is your policy? What is your plan? Why does your product offer to me differ from the competitor's product offer to me? And, and I think when those conversations really start to happen more regularly, that will also have an effect uh, in terms of the retailer's motivation to want to make changes to the business, to make their business more sustainable and for them to sell products and seek out products which will be more sustainable and, and will help the country meet its 2050 ob obligations. So, so I think it's it, it's got to come from the manufacturers, it's got to come from the consumers. But again, I think sadly, uh, until there is some real incentive, it will probably have to be some financial incentive that will drive the majority of consumers. Exactly as Steve said, I'm sure there will be early adopters. That, and I think they're already in the marketplace now that we're asking some quite pertinent questions of the retailers around the sustainability subject. But again, my understanding, speaking to the retailers, they would appear to be reasonably few and far between. The majority of, of consumers are not asking any questions around, around this subject, really. You know, yes, of course, consumers are well aware of energy efficient appliances because they have been around for many, many years and the energy labelling system enables them to um, obviously seek out and, and select uh, appliances which do have much you know better energy ratings but you certainly don't have a similar scenario when it comes to buying bathroom equipment or kitchen furniture for example you you know you don't have energy labelings in terms of how many miles is this product travelled or what's the sustainability credentials of this particular manufacturer you don't have uh, you know similar labelling and and that makes it very hard for a consumer to understand when they look at one kitchen or one bathroom range from another so there's an awful lot of work to do and and the industry really does need to knuckle down i think come together and discuss this agree a strategy agree a game plan and 
and, and start bringing it to market pretty soon because as every day rolls by, it, it's another day nearer our legal requirement to achieve you know, this, you know, net fitting. Again, as Steve very eloquently pointed out, if we get to a point of legislation, then it's probably too late. The industry will be will be not in a good place, able to react to any legislation coming into the marketplace. And, and a lot of the opportunities, and, you know, let's again focus on those positive opportunities, the number of appliances that are going to have to be changed in relatively short order. You know, if, if gas appliances are no longer going to be able to be sold, you know, in the kitchen or whatever by 2030, that's in a you know, relatively short, you know, eight years away, it's soon to be seven years away. That's not long for, uh, you know, a lot of consumers are going to have to make some changes to their appliances. And that gives, again, the, the retailer who, are, who, who gets on top of this and, and gets on the front foot, the the opportunity to pick up an awful lot of business going forward. Brilliant. I think that is the perfect kind of motivational point to end this podcast on. I think for it as an industry, uh, maybe it's a bit of our human nature. I don't know. We, we have a terrible tendency to focus on the negative, focus on the, it's almost like you can imagine a bit of a sigh and a groan talking about this subject. But there are some real positives. Not only is it good for the planet, and boy, the planet needs a few good things happening to it in terms of achieving our, our responsibilities, our, all, you know, our own individual responsibilities and our national responsibility in this regard. But there is going to be some great sales opportunities. And I think as an industry, let's focus on those. Let's just not see it as, oh, goodness me, there's a lot of horrible changes coming. It's going to cost everyone a lot of money. And have we got the motivation? Have we got the energy for this? Have we got the money for this? Let's actually, as a retail aspect to this and a business aspect to this, let's let's really embrace the, the great opportunities that are going to be coming to us very, very soon. And as I say, the businesses, the manufacturers, the, the retailers that really grip this and get on the front foot, they are going to reap the rewards of these changes that are going to have to come. You can't bury your head in the sand. These changes are definitely going to come. So why not get on the front foot? Why not embrace it? And why not move forward with it? I agree completely. Like so many of these things, it's going to be a journey. It's very important everybody involved starts to become self-aware. So there's a lot of information about Net Zero 2050, the three scopes of emissions and what contributes to those in the near term. They can at least be aware of what contributions they are making, where they're coming from, and consider how they could look at addressing those in the future, what would be required, what implication that may have on their current sort of commercial or technical business models, and preemptively think about how a migration plan could be enacted as and when needed. It's an imperative to do things now, but it won't be a five-minute journey. It'll take some time to transition. Brilliant conversation by both of you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Bill, Steve, thank you so much. That was KBB Review Deputy Editor Vicky Evans talking to Steve Nesbitt and Bill Miller, and there's so much food for thought in there. The biggest message for me, I think, is that this is no longer a conceptual moral argument about saving the planet. This is a business one, and you either see the way the wind is blowing or you don't. That's it for this week. Remember, next week at 10am on this very podcast, we will reveal the finalists for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2023. Good luck, everyone. 